Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is actually uh, a guest that I tried to book pre-COVID, and um, I'm actually excited to finally have you on the show. Uh, Ellen, or uh, Eileen, how, how, or how do you say it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I take both, you know, like... <laughs> Ellen? But yeah, in, in Swedish it's Elin. Uh, Elin, so, okay. It, it doesn't really go last... with the rhythm of the uh, English language, so, you know. Yeah. Elin, okay. And then uh, Carlson, right? Yeah. Okay, so I, that part was uh, more straightforward for me. Uh, so, yeah, mm-hmm. how are you doing? It's been a while. Uh, I think that in, the, in, in between our last attempt to record... And now you uh, have had a child. So congratulations, first of all. And uh, thank you. (laughs) Very adorable little, little tyke. Um, I don't know. How old are they? Um, So she is eight months. Eight months. Or did you say how old she is? Or me? No, 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 no. The baby, the baby. baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's eight months. Yeah, she turned eight months on, on Sunday, actually. Yeah. On Valentine's Day, yeah, it's amazing. It just goes by so quickly. Wow! And are you ha- are you having any time for practice, or is it are you still in the phase where it's like experience, and then and then maybe you'll have something to say later? Um, in terms of my art practice, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely. I'm I'm still on maternity leave from like my paid job, so it just means that I've got. Uh, a bit of time to do my research. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we've got like a pretty intense schedule of trying to juggle everything between myself imagine. and my husband. So I have, yeah, I have some time to practice. We've been, actually, we've been away. Um, we went on a residency in the autumn. We managed to get out of the UK, like in between the various lockdowns that we've had, which was, we were super lucky to be able to do that. Um so yeah, I, I have time for my practice. It's really, but yeah, that was like the one thing that I wanted to find out about actually when I, when I had, after I had my daughter, it was like, am I still going to want to make work? Is that still going to yeah. be like, you know? No, and I think it would be valid do, if, so. I think that might be like an individual thing too, you know, it would be valid if you didn't feel that way for a while. Uh, but I totally, like, I, it, it's a relief to know that, <laughs> that you can't have it all. You can have a daughter <laughs> or you you can have a son sorry it's a son right you can have a yeah, son yeah, yeah. and still be an artist <laughs> no 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 it's a daughter yeah yeah She's, it's a daughter yeah okay yeah I mean my, my husband yeah my husband's also an artist I mean I think we just like give each other the time to, to, to like make our work you know it's just about um figuring that out I think so we're just lucky that we've got each other I think but yeah so you can have you can have a child and um healthy marriage but you do get these you get these uh rings you know like the dark circles under the eyes as well they come for free (laughs) so uh yeah that's that's really interesting and it's actually a relief because um you never know right (laughs) everybody the question is that every that that like having children is the end of everything but then i know a lot of people that have kids and i don't know how they do it because i don't have kids (laughs) but uh yeah it's definitely something that like I'm coming to terms with. I'm getting to that age where I kind of have to 
either decide or not decide to have kids, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's definitely been a topic of conversation and it comes up when you're dating, um, yeah. you know, age appropriate women. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely something that's been on my mind. And it is a relief to see people like you pull it off so easily. And then, uh, you know, there's you're not, obviously not the only hero. <laughs> but uh, so, so where are you located right now? Because you're in the UK, I think? Yeah, so uh, we live in Sussex in the UK, uh, kind of near a place uh, called Brighton. Well, the actual place where we live is called Worthing, but it's like, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. People might have heard of Brighton and obviously London. So that's like we're about uh, an hour and 40 minutes from London. Just on, right. the, on the south coast of England. I think like you've explained this. I, I feel like you've definitely explained this to an American before because <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was like, Sussex and then it's it kind of sounds like Essex where's Essex do you know this, I, I mean I, I I there's always a part in the episode where I show my ignorance <laughs> on geography I'm okay with well, that is Essex yeah. like no Essex is a, it's like north of yeah like it's the other side of London okay but but, but like are, we're quite a way sorry go ahead no, no, I mean, we're quite a while, I mean, yeah, we're quite a way away from uh, London. There's, like, lots of countryside around where we are and stuff like that. Yeah, but Essex is, like, uh, north of London. Okay. And um, and then, so you're originally from where? Were you born in so, the UK? Yeah, I'm from Sweden. I was, Sweden? No, no, I was, I'm from Sweden. Yeah, I I was born in Sweden. I grew up in Sweden, and I moved to London when I was... 20 20 so like 15 years ago <laughs> yeah and like i'm trying my whole to, other life i've been in the uk i uh i i'm trying to hold back on all the questions i have about what america looks to like to you right now <laughs> because if you're coming from sweden well, I think it, you you guys what, what's the what's the tax rate over there do you know off the top of your oh head oh god do you know i mean i I haven't lived in Sweden since I was like, or like for a longer period. But I, I mean, it's around, I think it's like 20%. Oh, it's 20%. You know, like okay. in, like so income, it's... income tax. I mean, maybe slightly higher. Yeah. around. I think it's the same as the UK pretty much, but like I might. Oh, okay. I guess yeah. I'm confusing my, my uh, upper uh, S starting countries. Right. Like, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm confusing it with what's it called? They, again, just showing my ignorance. We can change the subject. No, <laughs> but uh, aren't there? No, I, no, I, I was right. assuming I mean, it was mm-hmm. democratic socialist, but I guess it seems like it's not, right? Is it Finland that's the one that has the ninety percent no, tax it, rate? No. <laughs> well, you know, um, I think it depends on who you ask and how you count. But like Sweden used to be a, a yeah, like the Social Democrats were like the biggest party there for like something like 70 years and they do have a government they they run you know they run the government at the moment but then they're like you know like they're like a you know I mean I guess you'd compare them to labor the labor party in the UK you know like they're sort of yeah they're um you know they care about obviously um you know they've got social socialistic kind of core to their politics but um Mm. it's not like they're sort of um you know the socialism of you know d- days gone by yeah yeah, yeah. Know, it's, uh, well and yeah, i think yeah. that you're but, also 
you're also reacting like as somebody who has some experience with socialism, whereas over here we just call everything socialism, right? So, <laughs> so I think I just definitely yeah, picked yeah. up on a on a language gap there, where I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely am like talking from a very American perspective, which is kind of the point, right? Like where it's like over here, I mean. Mm-hmm. We could talk about the lockdowns. We don't necessarily have to, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to be going as well over here as it is going elsewhere, right? So I, I find that sort of interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, we're just like in the thick of it now, you know, just sort of with the, with the lockdown here in the UK, you know, it's the, the um, I mean, I've sort of lost count. Like, I think I had up until, up until like, just this week, I had a bit of a Stockholm syndrome thing going on with lockdown. I was kind of loving it, you know, from a personal perspective, obviously, you know, not really thinking, you know, just yeah, yeah. a lot of people have had, you know, absolutely crap time, but I, I've been fortunate. But yeah, um, you know, I've got a, I've got a safe home and, you know, a sort of good environment in my domestic, you know, my domestic environment is safe and all these things. But uh, but yeah, like just just this week, I've started just really kind of struggling with it. Actually, it's kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel a bit, and and I guess like not being at home as well. Like you know, I've lived here for a very long time, but like my home, you know, it's some, if I have to really think about it, it feels like Sweden's like my home, and I just can't mm-hmm. go there. I'm yeah. not even allowed to go there. It's just yeah, it's sort of like psychologically, but I mean, it's the same for everyone around the world, isn't it? Like, I'm sure you have this on all your intros. This is just uh, absolutely crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think essentially you just end up hitting wall after wall, right? Like you, Mm. you, you, you have moments where you have a handle on it, and then um, you start. But over here, I don't know. It's just it's it's a pretty crazy situation. I, it, it's getting to everyone, and I think that um, the tensions are pretty high in general, mm. just because the stakes are so high for so many people. Like I always like to ask this from uh, international guests, which is like, how much are you like? It, you're locked down, but are you getting any uh, like? Like, are you just left to fend for yourself, or uh, are, are is your government arguing over whether or not? It was fourteen hundred dollar checks or two thousand dollar checks, and yeah. and then like they're still negotiating that. Is that how it goes over there? Well, um, there's like a furlough scheme here. So uh, if your employer can't, um, you know, keep sustain your 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 job, they you you know you you can go on furlough and not work, and then you get um, you get eighty percent of your your salary. Mm-hmm. And then your company can choose to top the rest up with, you know, to the, the sort of um, with their reserves if they're able to. And um, so yeah, that's like the standard standard practice. And but of course, there's gaps in that as well. You know, people who are self-employed might not find it so easy to access those funds. And um, but you know, I, I'm I'm sort of I'm on maternity leave, so I've kind of I would have not face yeah. these issues you know yeah. even if it was a normal year so um and i guess i've kind of been a bit blinkered from you know just trying to protect my yeah. sanity and you know so um but yeah that's that's the general kind of setup so there are there is of course there is a um 
and kind of social care here, but uh, perhaps it is quite different from. It also sounds like you guys. So the, uh, over here, what we uh, when you say furlough, essentially, you're is um, is it like an unemployment scheme? Essentially, is what we call it over here. Is that it, or no, or is it different? Like, I've never heard of that word before. Obviously, being so English, you know, English being my second language, but it's a um, it's a, a sort of it's a suspension from your job role. So let's say that your company can't keep you on, um, you know, on the sort of pay, paycheck, um, mm. you know, because of what's happening. They can put you on a furlough, which is um, you, you get time off, time off from your work, but with sort of with your with your pay still intact. Mm. But then, but the okay. So then that's that's that's. I don't know. It's it seems uh, like I'm jealous <laughs> of how you guys do it, but then it also seems like it's not. Comp- so he, all right. So here's something that I'm always concerned about because I think that mm-hmm. over here there's a lot of talk about Medicare for all and and basically how they're not giving it to us. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, in the middle of like the most important time to give it to us. And my concern is sort of like that old. Um, first they came for the communists. And then, and I didn't do anything. And I feel like everybody else, every other country that has socialized medic- medicine should really, really, really pay attention to what's happening here and maybe, <laughs> uh, take, take note because I do think that like there is an effort to sort of sabotage these programs elsewhere. And I would not be surprised if, um, you know, like privatizing is very popular within a, the, uh, a certain class. So it, it, to me, it's like, I feel like the fight for health insurance here and for Medicare for all is not just about fighting for us to have it as well, but also like we're the front lines on this push against making everything privatized in terms of uh, health insurance, which which is like there's definitely an incentive mm-hmm. to do that, right? So I don't know. I I, I mean, I, you don't definitely don't have to comment on that, mm-hmm. but but just be warned because <laughs> that that shit is scary. And like, and mm-hmm. I think that like, um, I think that it's also hard for people to understand that aren't in the U.S. just how important it is to have health insurance and and uh, and how like how crazy expensive it can get, right? I mean, you hear the stories about mm-hmm. the the people like getting into a million dollars worth of debt over, over COVID, but that shit happens over anything, you know, it's, and like in any case, it's usually mm-hmm. not their, their fault. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a pretty strange thing to like, so mm-hmm. if you don't want to like go bankrupt, <laughs> uh, it, it, like your only solution is to not get sick with something serious. And if you mm-hmm. do, you're fucked. So mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, you don't have to talk about that. Uh, I, I I just kind of want to like. I'm assuming that they're going to be some international uh, guests, so I want them to understand like it's not good here. <laughs> or li- international listeners to the episode, like it yeah. is not. It's it, there's a lot of people struggling, and uh, there's a lot of unemployment, and it's not, and they're not getting compensated for it, or their unemployment will run out. So, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's smoothly transition into your topic, which probably has nothing to do with any of this stuff, <laughs> which is um, totally okay. Yeah, no, I mean, but of course, it's like hard to, it can be so hard to switch off. I mean, I'm on, constantly on the news 
act. Just you, you know, you do want to keep up to date with everything that's going on, and it feels like it saturates everything um, that you kind of do and think about. So it's yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. My, I mean, I so my my thesis, that my topic that I wanted to talk about because you got in touch with me 2019, I think. And oh I my god! <laughs> I know. Right? So I was I was actually in Rome when you wrote to me, and mm. I was working around this um, kind of kind of loosely around this topic of an island, which is which is on the coast of Italy, uh, which is called Ventatena. And I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but um, uh, so yeah, I I was kind of yeah I wanted to just sort of talk about that topic because it's got a really fascinating history and one that kind of that I'm really fascinated by and interested in and it's sort of not one that isn't really you know, um, kind of broadly known. So um, it's that's kind of made its way into my, because I'm doing a PhD and mm-hmm. that's kind of woven its way into my PhD thesis. And um, so, yeah, I, I just thought I'd sort of go back to the work that I was making then, but it's obviously still really present in my, um, in my, mm-hmm. um, in my writing. Mm-hmm. So this this island is sort of a tiny a tiny little island. Uh, I I managed to go there in in 2019 when I was because I was living in Rome for a month over summer and um, I was working um, working around the idea of this island and some of the water in um, in Rome. Rome's got a beautiful river running through it. The uh, so my proposal for um, for for the residency was um, was kind of based around these sort of sites. Um, which were kind of water and land, mm-hmm. kind of broadly kind of shaped around that. But yeah, so Ventapiani is it's a tiny little island. It's about forty-five minutes from a port called Formia, and it's um, it's just right, kind of right in between. Well, it's just a little bit north of Naples, and it's kind of have the map of Italy in your mind. So um, just on the west coast, and um, yeah, it's it's like one and a half square kilometers. So it's, wow. it's really quite small with only about 700 permanent residents. Um, but yeah, so is the... This, is it, mm-hmm. it like, uh, what are we picturing in terms of landscape? Is this like one of those places where you have, uh, you know, uh, basically like towns like on top of a hill kind of thing? Where, it, where, where How populated is the is the island? It, I mean, that's pretty small. So is it like, yeah. is, is it just crammed with like old buildings or, or are there like open spaces kind of thing? Because yeah, the towns can be mm-hmm. pretty clever, or at least at that time, you know, when they were building these kinds of places in terms of how they approach it, right? Yeah, so you sort of arrive in, into the port and then um, the, the landscape is quite dramatic. It's quite cliff, you know, lots of cliff sides and hills. So you're kind of walking up this really uh, narrow kind of, path that just zigzags up the hill and then there's a uh, there's a sort of a little town up there with a um a mayor's office and some bars and restaurants but all around this kind of plaza square uh, in in the center and then but that's pre- i mean but that's pretty much it so there's this little road and it just kind of it goes up through town and then uh pretty quickly you're outside of any kind of built-up area again and um and then there's just that one row that sort of 
snakes its way through the landscape for the rest of the island. And and I, ca- I sort of carried on walking along that road and pretty quickly there's this sort of cacti and kind of trees, dense, kind of quite dense vegetation and you can't really kind of go off the road at all. It's oh, sort of really? Just that, um, just that road. And then, um, but yeah, I um, lizards and um, birds and uh, and cacti. Is it like... Is this on Amalfi Coast? Is it the same kind of color water in the ocean, or is it a little darker? Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty. Clear. Um, I mean, it's pretty close to the uh, Amalfi Coast. Um, so it's like it's got that blue kind of turquoisey kind of vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, but yeah, so the island it's been used as a place where women, in particular, have been banished. So the reason I started looking at this island was because Emperor Augustus, in he was the emperor of, of Rome, he sent his only daughter Julia to this island because, um, mm-hmm. and you know, and this is one of those things that uh, where history and fact probably isn't quite matched up. But the the story is that he sent her there uh, because she'd been too promiscuous. Mm. Um, so she'd been kind of, um, you know, uh, apparently then, uh, kind of partying and sleeping around and being a bit too slutty around town in Rome. And, uh, it didn't really fit his, um, his agenda because he, when he came into power, he wanted things to be, uh, he was quite conservative. Uh, you know, he wanted things to be like they used to be. So he was kind of bringing in these new measures and his daughter was really undermining his politics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, well, that's the sort of that's the sort of you know the story, the history. You know, history is what uh, you know around around um, what happened to her. So, uh, so yeah, he banished her to to the island, uh, and that's that's what interested me in in the place to begin with. Sort of, uh, you know, how women's what we are, what women are allowed to do, you know, what, you know, how we're, how our sexualities are owned by, well, in her case, her father, um, and, um, you know, the whole history around, uh, around that. Uh, so I really wanted to go and see where she'd lived and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to see if there was any sort of, obviously this is like to before Christ or, you're not you're not supposed to say that anymore but you know so this is like 2000 over 2000 years ago so it's like there's like very little traces of this uh around but you know I kind of hope that there'd be something there that would kind of give me something to write about or to make work about so mm-hmm. um uh, yeah I was I was kind of interested in uh in going and sort of seeing what what was there um because I think just to sort of take you through the process. So um, obviously PhD, I'm doing a practice-based PhD, which um, means that my research is my making and my kind of artwork. And there is an element where you have to submit some writing as part of this um, process. And when I was, when I started writing, my, you know, it just kind of happened that I started writing fiction. Mm. Um, So, I um, I began writing this um, novel, which is also a series of short stories, and right now a collection of poetry and prose called Headstone. So mm-hmm. it's a sort of 
it's a piece of writing that keeps changing. I mean, I keep changing the shape of, of what it is because it's sort of half imaginary as well. And um, in that, in that, uh, in that writing, I'd been on a voyage through France um, on the waterways on a boat with, with my dad. My, my dad actually lives on a boat. So it's kind of like my life kind of gets mixed mm. in with, with, um, with Julia's in a way. And, um, so, um, we'd been but on your a, dad didn't banish you though, right? He's not banished me, but he, I am obviously living on an Island away from <laughs> my dad. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, he, no, he's not, uh, he doesn't know anything about my, uh, my sex life. <laughs> that's, I think that's a, probably a healthy boundary. On, on both yeah, I think so. Not every parent can uh, can handle that. <laughs> Until he reads my, you know, my writing. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. But he doesn't know English. My dad doesn't know any English, and I'm writing in English, so I think he'll just he'll just remain like that. Yeah. As long as you don't become famous enough that they translate things, you're good. <laughs> so, so uh, you also. When you when you mentioned the island, that it, it, it was it just one person that was banished to this place, or it did it become like a, a destination, a banishment spot for you know, yeah, our, our yeah, daughters? exactly. No, no, it's de- it's definitely become a destination. Like several other um, Roman emperors banished their daughters to this island, uh, but none of them had the reason of harboring promiscuous. Uh-huh. Uh, other than Julia, you know, so that's why I kind of thought that this is a because my writing is is about sort of sex and female sexuality. I just felt like that was the, the, the obviously the one that made sense for me to kind of think about. But there isn't really much known about her. Um, mm. There are some books published on her life, but um, none of them really focus on this particular part of her. Well, none of them really focus on her sexuality, and it's kind of impossible for me to really find anything out because it's such a long time ago. But uh, I think that what I'm doing is I'm just taking this like tiny fragment of of a clue and sort of writing about it in a way that brings it into contemporary life, mm. and almost like almost using that as just a um, um, as a sort of symbol. Or um, yeah, of an, as an example, more of how things can be, or things how things have been. Yeah. Um, you know how her sexuality was treated through her. You know through how you know how her father kind of used her sexuality against her, and her lust, perhaps her desire, uh, and how the the space for that desire to exist is kind of yeah really squeezed. Squeeze, squeeze and push, you know, and not really, yeah, not the the space for her to to do what she wanted to do is um, controlled by, you know, by the government and by her father, which is the same. In this case, the same thing. But, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, because she seemed like quite um. She, well, I mean, from what I can tell about her, she, she seemed like quite a sort of joyful character who who really did like. Um, uh, you know her social life and her, uh, you know her friends, her poetry and her sort of, you know, indulging herself. Um, and I suppose uh, I can relate to that. Um, which is also why I felt like. It's mm-hmm. also interesting how all these sort of themes are of like 
promiscuity being inappropriate and stuff because i mean we all we definitely think of like romans or at least in this puritanical country uh like mm-hmm. as as this like uh, um what's it called kind of permissive <laughs> by comparison yeah. uh pagan even you know what i mean like in, in terms like of a like hedonistic sort of yeah hedonistic that's sort of like the perception that we have Mm-hmm. uh of that time period especially if you watch like things like sam raimi's uh tv show i forget what it was uh oh spartacus and all of that like where it's just like an excuse to have like live orgies <laughs> like beautiful people having orgies on camera but um yeah. so it's it's interesting that like there's still uh that distinction and the other thing that was funny i, I don't know if you know remember the bush daughters <laughs> but I thought they were parallel, but then you you said that she seemed joyful and I was like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair to Julia, but uh, <laughs> so Augustus, I, can, can you give us a little bit more detail about that time period? Like how big of the empire is there? I mean, these are really specific questions that have more to do with my nerddom. It may not be relevant to your uh, research. So if you don't know it, it's completely fine. But uh, yeah, do you yeah. Know- no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert on um, like classicism. So I, um, yeah, I think that definitely patches in my knowledge there too. I think I've just sort of taken this this tiny, minute part and just run with it and kind of yeah. imagined things around that. No, yeah, because um, you mentioned it was fictional, yeah. right? So that that's interesting. Yeah, and- yeah, exactly. And do, is there a visual art practice as well? Because I mean, it's, you you spoke them as sort of separate, right? Like where your your research is mostly actually making. So, and you guys mm-hmm. over there, I think that's a very British way of phrasing it, making. You know, in terms of like mm-hmm. how how artists, British artists, talk about that. Like uh, I've talked to a few yeah, of you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, I, you know, like I've met artists that have uh, their uh, promotion year and then their maker year where they make stuff for the year. So, so it's, it's, it it, like that uh, dialogue, I don't know how we would talk about it. We just, we focus a little bit more on on the term practice, I think. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's how I use what what I use as well. Practice. Yeah. Practice based, you know, practice based PhD and obviously my practice. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely that. So, so when, so what I realized when I came to uh, the Island was that obviously there was this, so she was kept in this in this palace well, this mm-hmm. house, you know, which was on top of you know on top of of the hill. And then uh, as you walk down from there, there was uh, all of these caves, kind of in the in the stone of the of the rock of, of the island. And um, there was so so since she lived there, obviously. Um, changed endlessly but the um uh the the caves in the uh, on on the rock under where she lived is now um occupied by sail merchants so they're kind of repairing sails and repairing boats mm. um so i um yeah so i i was interested in this idea that of being able to move away from there and of course also in my uh, in my writing, me and my father are sailing, so oh, okay. uh, the theme of the sail um, as a sort of as a as a way to move. Um, you know, imagining if she could, you know, if she could have left, how how she she would have left, and what she would have uh, what she she would have done, and also then sort of thinking about what that island looks like now and the place that she used to kind of 
walk or, you know, you know, what was immediately below where she could walk if she was um she was captive in this villa. Um so um so yeah, I, I made some work with using this using the sail as a sort of um as a sort of theme or method to talk about to talk about that, but more kind of broadly about my writing and uh, in headstone about uh, kind of sailing between one place and the other uh, and another and kind of um, this ongoing narrative of um, kind of smutty sexuality and kind of uh, remembering I suppose memories, sexual memories um, that I kind of write about. Um, but yeah, so um, because the sort of story of the island, sorry, I feel like I'm jumping between different. You can do that. That's all right. I'm following. <laughs> but, but yeah, so the island um, later on in the 18th century was used again for um, uh, for a sort of for a slightly different purpose. But they so they that time they sent criminals and prostitutes to mm. to Venice to repent because in it was believed at that time that spending time in unfought nature would sort of realign your inner like moral compass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but and what I've been able to read about that is that. Uh, rather than um, kind of heal and become better people, these criminal and criminals and prostitutes uh, kind of set up new frontiers. So uh, the prostitutes supposedly set up brothels um, in the caves under the villa where Julia used to live, where now the sale merchants are. So there's this kind of no, like layered uh, narrative. For, I'm not known for fre- frequenting. Uh brothels but i think if i was in the cave brothel i'd be like when in rome (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's it's so quaint that's fascinating though so so okay so then well it's funny because this whole time i've been continually expecting there to be like a monastery especially (laughs) because we're in italy (laughs) and then you said 1800 and at first it was because we were still in the imperial uh, in classical times and uh and but now there's definitely um like so there's no like religious uh it, it seems like we're actually veering opposite of where i where i went where i expected it where it's like debauchery ensued as opposed to like purity, I mean, if there is such a thing to like either one, yeah, right? But yeah. like quote unquote. No, but I'm I'm definitely drawn to that, like the sort of um, base kind of dirty, grimy side of life. But I mean, I th- I think there's like I think there's a truth in that. I think that I, well, I'm what I'm looking for is the sort of um, yeah, some kind of yeah, some kind of honesty, you know, and about. Um, about how you know how we how we are sexual beings um but i mean this is really complicated like i don't know if there is a truth i, I definitely don't think that there's a truth of like of sexuality i think we've got this idea of thinking that we there was a sexuality before we were kind of corrupted somehow but i, I just don't, definitely don't think that's true i think that's this myth of the truth is one that kind of uh, says more about, um, yeah, um, yeah, the myth, the myth of the truth is what I think kind of is at the centre of sexuality, um, rather than being the actual thing that that can deliver a truth. If you see what I mean. Sorry, I feel like I'm losing. No, so yeah. yeah. 
a little bit more on that though. That's actually really interesting. So the myth of of truth. So you think that there's a myth? Of, let me see if I I'm understanding. Let me paraphrase. Mm. There's there's a you're saying there's a myth of truth uh, that we seek to find in sexuality. Is that what you're saying? Like yeah yeah. And so by like, that I mean, think. So just to to clarify, by that do you mean like uh, a dogmatic truth? Like, like there's, uh, I mean, a dogmatic maybe is a little too institutional, but like there is like uh, uh, one truth as opposed to like it being a little bit more fluid. Is that what you're kind of talking about in terms yeah, of myth? So like, yeah, yeah. So I think that we, um, we have this idea that if we find out, so like maybe if you think of Freud as an example of that, you know, there's an answer, that there's somehow an answer in, um, in our kind of sexual thoughts about ourselves or about uh, who we are, who we really are deep down. Um, and then another example could be like, um, you know, how confession, like if you think about the monastery, like how confession is used as a way to sort of, to tell our, um, to tell our sort of dirty secrets to this uh, priest who will then forgive us. So by mm -hmm. kind of, by seeking this, like, this truth, we can kind of, um, yeah, find out about ourselves and uh, and be absolved of um, of all our sins, etc. Um, so I think that this idea, this link between truth and sexuality, and sort of somehow finding an answer about ourselves, uh, is one that kind of is at the centre of um, of sexuality. Mm. And um, but then you yeah, also feel like that that it's illusory, like or that it's not it, it's uh, it's nebulous. It's maybe not as like uh, maybe the answer is not there. Is that what I'm picking up from what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure. That, yeah. Exactly. I think that the idea of truth or the idea that we're able to somehow find truth in sexuality is there for us as a culture, but I don't think that. Um, yeah. But I mean, I I guess I'm finding out. Through, <laughs> I'm not, I've mm. not finished my. My studies, yeah, but no, uh, but uh, I. Uh, <laughs> I thought, I thought you were like, <laughs> I'm not finished having sex. <laughs> well, Doing my research. Month, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so so and then, so then what what um what do you think there is to find in sexuality? Then that yeah, that's that, yeah. that I mean that may be a, a hard question to answer, but. No, I don't think that I'm not sure there's. My, yeah, I think that, that I'm trying to make space for women to talk about their sexuality, sort of away from this heteronormative kind of, you know, binary relationship between the man and the woman and sort of power relations that kind of exists between them. Because I'm in, you know, I mean, of course, I understand that sexuality is a sort of, you know, um, massively kind of varied and um, different, but I am specifically interested in the, you know, in the kind of, you know, female heterosexual woman's sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but anyway, um, but yeah, so I'm sort of interested in making space for that discussion um, and for it to kind of, I guess I'm just trying to look at it from outside of, um, or attempting to look at it from outside of all of these power kind of um, ideals, um, kind of, yeah, you know, um, obviously Julia didn't behave in an ideal way so hence she was banished um, so it's, yeah I'm trying to look at, look at it from outside of the uh, ideal idealized version I suppose and um, 
away from away from the power relations that often sort of you know where a woman might be dominating rather than be allowed to be domineering um Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm yeah. I I don't really believe in answers. I don't believe that there's kind of straight up, like you're saying, dogmatic kind of mm-hmm. answers. I think that's another kind of false, um, and especially in academia, you know, like um, oh yeah, this idea that there is a truth and an answer. I think that's kind of like somehow, um, yeah, very simplified, isn't it? So how has this all evolved? Uh, I mean, because we, st- we started talking about some stuff that you were working on, like 2019. So wh- I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously, obviously, some of the thoughts that you've shared already are going to be more fresh, right? Like, it's not like you haven't been sharing me some of the evolved uh, evolution of this, but uh, like how... What what's the interest now? Like you just said, you, you mentioned at the beginning, first of all, I'm curious about the residency that you did. And then I'm mm-hmm. also curious about the, re- the the research that you've had that you said you've had time to do because it seems like it's an extension of this essentially, right? In some varied form. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, this is all just very. Uh, I'm just writing a chapter at the moment about power and about speaking as a woman um, and speaking about your sexuality. So it's kind of like just what I'm writing about at the moment, actually. So the, that's the sort of current research and my interest. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just trying to pull all of these ideas together into a sort of form that somehow can be um, submitted and, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> passed or not passed. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so so that's the kind of interest that I'm, you know, all the research I'm doing at the moment is, is around this idea of power and um, and speaking as a woman. Um, and giving room for, for you know, to for sexuality to, um, to sort of in the way that I've just mentioned. But um, how do you think uh, yeah. you got? Because we have a very uh, fraught over here culturally. Going back to like the differences between the UK and over here, and even Sweden, um, it just like. We have a very uptight relationship with sex, but then we're also very overtly sexual in these really strange ways, right? Where, where mm-hmm. um, ch- like children are sexualized in our culture in, in, uh, in ways like, for example, John Benet Ramsey. Everybody knows that I'm a bit of a serial, like, you know, I'm a bit of a true crime buff. But like, that is definitely, I don't know if that happens elsewhere. I, I would like to imagine that it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know if there's mm-hmm. like, a uh, child talent pageant thing in uh, in the UK, but I mean that's sort of beside the point. My my point is more about like what is the what is like because there's all the cultural stereotypes of like stiff upper lip, not being very open. I've had people that come from the UK over here tell me that they got became accustomed to what something that we do in California, which is be like, hey, I appreciate that, and then they went back to. Uh, uh, London and said that to somebody and they were like are you taking the piss <laughs> so <laughs> there's definitely cultural differences so I'm curious about how you see like the way that uh specific I mean since we're talking about specifically female heterosexual uh sexuality mm-hmm. um like how how is what is taboo what isn't taboo uh it, it, as far as you understand it within the British culture 
Um, yeah, so, um, gosh. I mean, yeah, this, yeah. I guess what I'm thinking about straight away is just this. Have you, have you got that program called Love Island? In, it's, Love it's like Island? A, yeah, it's like a again, it's like an island, but yeah, there's a there's like a group of single, um, you know, single people that are on an island. And, Is this Netflix? Uh, and then kind of, uh, well, it's it was on it's on like every summer here. It's like okay. you know, uh, it's like a, it's on one of the other British channels, but it, yeah, it's like a reality TV program where um, people people are going to this villa and they're sort of. Uh, coupling up with each other and um you know attempting to start relationships with one another um and it's quite i mean it's quite sort of obviously it's warm they're in sort of their you know bikinis and it's quite sex- i mean it's very sexually loaded i mean that's the whole point you know of that program mm-hmm. is um um yeah and, and it's interesting with that program because i think it has i think it's been on now for four years or something like that five years maybe and it um it is actually allowing i feel women to express their sexualities you know they're talking about the guys about what they find attractive and not and whether they're wanting to have sex with them i mean so on so it's it's sort of so i feel like that that program actually and it's that is not i mean that that is seen as normal i think you know it's just mm. it's on a normal tv channel in so there is space for that. And I don't think that's kind of. Um, and you also had like a bit of a sadistic king that started his own church. <laughs> right, <laughs> found, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. found it on divorce. So there's definitely like uh, a cultural difference mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I find that really interesting, you know, because like, like I said, over here, we do have all of that other stuff, right? But I don't necessarily feel like, um, I don't know. I, I, all right. I mean, I feel like even with in the enlightened sort of uh, feminist class or whatever the fuck that means, because who, who knows, right? Like feminist is such a broad term. It can represent so many different things. So I don't want to like... S- say use the term mm-hmm. feminists in the, in any particular way but let's let me specifically talk about like woke uh left li- uh, uh liberal neoliberals over here right that that um right. mm-hmm. their their sort of their attitude towards that kind of reality tv stuff is is maybe like that it's exploitative rather than liberating in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like also that I think that to some degree, I guess the point that I'm making is that to some degree, even, even like progressive thought over here is a little bit different, right? Like, uh, like, like that would, you could argue, you could definitely argue to some degree that, 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 that there's like uh, some freedom that comes from that. Right. But then at the same time, I think that like, over here, the, argue, the the dialogue has become so much about like exploitation, and 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 so it's just interesting it, for me. It was interesting that that you felt like a reality TV show because uh, over here we just think of it as trash, right? But but it's mm-hmm. but I mean I don't I don't think that you what you, the point you're making is invalid, and I definitely think I could see that in some of the shows that we have here also, right? That are sort mm-hmm. of like 
a little bit sexy, but also, you know, like obviously not Temptation Island, <laughs> which is like where they put couples <laughs> mm-hmm. on an island together with like other sexy people trying to get them to fuck each other. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we also no, had. I mean, and, and yeah. Go ahead. No, and I think that, you know, and I think that the, um, the performance of these. That you know that you sort of see in these programs. Of course, it's um, the sort of performance of uh, acting out, I you know, idealized I- versions of sexuality. You know, um, it's yeah. But it, but then, what is the what is sexuality uh, apart from these kind of like trashy, acted out, um, kind of over the top, perhaps in some cases, you know. Or, so this is what I'm trying to, to kind of work out. Is there a sexuality aside from these ideal kind of, I, I guess I'm going to call them performances because I don't know what other words to use. No, but I think that's fair. I think that, it, I, I mean, it is a, it is a commercialized performance of sexuality. It also made me think mm-hmm. of like uh, pornography as well, like where it's like, you can argue both things where it's, is it an exploitative industry or is it a liberating industry? Right? Like, uh, is everybody who's yeah. in porn a victim? <laughs> yeah, I, are you? Or can you yeah. really say something like that? But again, it's perform. It's a performative sexuality. It's not actual intimacy or anything like that. So I think it apply. Like if it if it applies to porn, why can't it also apply to like reality TV, where where mm-hmm. um, where there is a, a conflict there? Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously. I haven't seen uh, Love Island, so I'm still I'm probably talking about things that are even more egregious, <laughs> and saying mm-hmm. that they like you know like my perspective is like really trashy American shit, which gets like it's almost like a uh, race to the bottom of like <laughs> depravity sometimes out here. <laughs> but I, you know I've had I had uh, Rebecca Forstatter who uh, was on and talked about. Um, reality tv and and there is some validity to it and i think that you know we just had a president who is a reality tv host blah blah mm-hmm. blah 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 you know like it's it, it, it's definitely um i think that particular thing is interesting I, th- I think i probably said this on the show before but it's like i definitely feel like people that hate the, the uh donald trump like to a zealous degree where they where it's all consuming are probably also people that watch a lot of reality TV, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think that there is something. There's a there's a there's a similar ser- serotonin thing that happens that he can trigger in people, and okay. uh, mm-hmm. it's really powerful when outrage is involved too, right? Yeah, I guess it's that idea of the sort of updating continually, kind of like you know kind of going out to find out what he's done now, you know, um, it's yeah. got, it, you know, there's a certain fascination to that. And I can definitely see that I was doing that with finding out what Donald Trump had done. And I think, I mean, but that was, I suppose, his part of his strategy, right? Yeah. Kind of, well, I mean, to some degree, like they're fucked now because now, now they're like covering QAnon and all these things that are like, kind of mm-hmm. like, there's like QAnon is like 10%, 20%. It's just like a small, like 
fringe thing and they're covering it on prime time like it's the most important thing mm-hmm. because they're still mm-hmm. grasping for like the trump money <laughs> right like <laughs> like there's an industry mm-hmm. it like the news became reality television pro mm-hmm. or against it was all mm-hmm. coverage about him because pe- there was a hunger for how outrageous the shit he was doing it was performative mm-hmm. right like and mm-hmm. uh, and and i think that uh you know not to like um muscle <laughs> what you were saying earlier into it but i think that mm-hmm. like uh you know there there is a lack there was there is a, a similarity in trying to find a truth like watching that shit and and sort of like mm-hmm. we're gonna fucking get that guy or like you know there, there's the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the walls are closing in there's like montages of people on msnbc and cnn saying like the walls are closing in like over and over again because that's what people wanted to fucking hear or the, during the whole Mueller report mm-hmm. thing like people were so gratified to hear bad news about trump and then they were also so mm-hmm. late like it, I feel like it also triggered a superiority thing where it's like, ha, 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 I'm so better than these plebes that that get him, right? And and I think mm-hmm. it, in that there's like a moment where you stop realize where you where you lose track of like how his hatred is perpetuating your hatred, and then your hatred is making you hate other people that maybe are being misled, but they're also victims, right? Because they're not like wealthy people, like all the people that were in the riots had insane financial problems, bankruptcies and all this shit. So like, but you can't say that because it's like, oh no, these guys are racist. So I don't know. To me, that that whole thing, like the, the whole discussion about truth really is interesting because I think that that is sort of what the whole uh, push is, is now is like this idea that there was ever not misinformation. Now there's just misinformation mm. from so many sources, <laughs> right? Instead of it just yeah. being like propaganda from one source. So it's wild. It's a wild, wild time, especially with COVID. Yeah. Where like your only experience of the world is through the media. Definitely. And I think that the, yeah, like the need for for a straight answer or the, yeah, like the one truth, the, the thing that will fix it, it's kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I, I really believe that um, reality is so complex and there isn't, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't, almost don't like giving, I don't like having an opinion. Or, you know, I, yeah. Am I the only one who feels like this? Like, I don't, no, I, don't, totally I, don't I don't feel like I can, you know, I feel like, I feel like having a strong opinion about something where you're just um, so sure of yourself. It just, I mean, it, I don't see how that would ever I would be the right thing to do. And I suppose that is my strong opinion. <laughs> you know that. No, but I think, um, I, I think there's validity to that. Uh, I mean, I think that at least in the way it feels undogmatic because at least you're being flexible with your experience and, and that you are a, a person that changes, that you're not going to feel the same way today that you did uh, yesterday or tomorrow. Uh, and, and like, I mean, I definitely identify with that. I have basically the whole premise of the show is that I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Like what's my Mm -hmm. thesis? I don't fucking know. I have people come on and they teach me things. And I tend to try to find people that like, uh, I think are going to give me insight, like, uh, into, into experiences that I don't have. Right. Like, uh, women, gay people. Uh, I mean, I say trans people, but technically it's mostly non-binary people that I've had on the show. Uh, I mean, I guess that is, it counts, but I just don't want to be like, I'm such a hero. <laughs> but like, I definitely want to know uh, about like different points of views and different experiences, because I understand for sure that 
my my like you know we can say it in terms of privileges which i think is a little bit fraught at this point but i have privileges that other people don't have right like even the distinction like my last guest uh and i were talking about how um we're white passing into a lot of uh, uh minorities we are white people and that's a valid way of perceiving us but then there's a lot of people that are whiter than us, like traditionally American, Caucasian, like, you know, waspy type of white people who really do not uh, acknowledge us as like equals. And so, um, you know, for me, that that is definitely a thing where like, you can only learn that shit by talking to other people's experiences because otherwise, like, I don't know what the fuck it's like to, you know, do anything. Mm. So I, anyway, I might, the point being that I definitely agree with that. Like, I mean, you seemed unsure of it, but I think that that's a healthy approach. And I think that right now, part of the problem that we're having in the political discourse in this country is that people are just hell bent on this is right. And then if someone has an opinion that you don't agree with, instead of like being like, well, I can make a distinction between the person and that opinion. You're just like, this whole person needs to fucking go. Right. And I'm not talking about mm. Trump here. I'm talking in general about like um, sort of how the Twitter mafia works and, or Twitter mobs and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. Like kind of canceling out of, of whole of people and whole organizations. And it's pretty it's pretty scary, that stuff. Like, uh, yeah, I've, I've actually like. It's, yeah. Um, like I said to you earlier, I've stopped really using social media. But I mean, that's not the reason, but that's one of the things that happens on social media, isn't it? That, um, yeah, someone's whole practice can be kind of just cancelled from, um, from sort of one wrong step. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of quite stark these days, isn't it? But, but um, what do you, yeah. what do you, what do you, I think that you probably are coming from an area that has a longer, um is is cancel culture a big thing in the uk because it seems to me it's an american phenomenon but is that something like are people getting canceled i yeah i i mean aside from saville or seville <laughs> jimmy seville and and people like that like who's oh, yeah. who's yeah. a big celebrity yeah, no, um, mm-hmm. that got, has been canceled that i that like give us some goss let's end on some hot goss <laughs> Well, I'm probably I'm probably not the best person to speak about <laughs> this, but I'm sorry to disappoint. But it's uh, yeah, I mean it happens for, for certain artists, especially that I'm aware of. You know that I've um, that I've had exhibitions at um, at galleries that have links to um, you know um, to money that isn't considered you know um, politically correct. Um, way to make money and then the sort of through through association artists have had their careers um, cancelled from showing at a particular particular galleries and things like that so yeah I mean it does happen here I suppose it's a bigger practice in America I'm not I'm not so aware of, um, of the sort of ins and outs of, outs of that but um, but yeah it um, well, it used to be rape related right like you would get cancelled like it was cancelled uh, uh, what's his right. name uh, what the fucking the the R and B singer? 
my mind is telling me no, <laughs> but my body's telling me yes. <laughs> that guy, I forget what his name is. Yeah, yeah. He, he's literally been canceled. <laughs> I don't remember his name, but uh, uh, like I know his name. I just fucking blanking. You know how that happens. But um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Like uh, it started off like that. Now it's just for saying the wrong thing. Like now it's just for having mm-hmm. an opinion. Now it's maybe like. Yeah, it, it it's it's just crazy. It it doesn't seem tenable. It seems like uh ultimately we're headed towards uh well, I definitely feel like it's being used to censor people that maybe shouldn't. You know, like everybody was cheering on when Jack Dorsey and uh and all the other people um like kicked all the other platforms kicked uh, Trump off the thing. But a lot of us were sounding the alarm and uh, wasn't one of like, wasn't there, uh, uh, a, um, a socialist organization in the UK? I don't know if you've heard about this. I forget exactly the details, but the, one of the, the socialist organizations, that's like a big player. I forget what it's called. Uh, got their fa- their Facebook page canceled. This is like a legitimate political organization in the UK. <laughs> and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. yeah, no, and yeah, so it, it's, so to me, it's like, it's pretty wild. And they just demonetize a whole bunch of people that like, for example, the, what is the name? The guy, there was a guy who had footage of the Capitol riots. He got deplatformed. He's a legitimate journalist. All of the news organizations use his, his footage. They aired his footage, but he can't air his own footage on his own and monetize it on his own channel. So um, it's all fucking uh, like, I mean, I think France just said like, keep that shit over there, which is kind of the spirit of the question where I was like, well, are the, maybe, maybe your curse is that we speak the same language and then you can like, get sucked into our bullshit, <laughs> our cancel culture. I've heard it called call out culture over there. Is that, That's is that, yeah. As well. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I, um, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Go ahead. What was your thought? No, I mean, I think, um, I just remember from, because obviously I grew up in Sweden, so it's like, but they, they, um, one of the things that they used to say about uh, Sweden when I, when I was younger was that it was like a mini America. <laughs> like, <laughs> in what sense? <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess all of these things, it's been such a long time since I spent time in, uh, in Sweden, but I think, you know, uh, I think, uh, well, I, I think it was about food, about fast food, but also about, um, oh, kind okay. of com- you know, com- commercial, um, commercial culture and, um, yeah, consumerism, um, uh, and all those, you know, all those you want to hear something yeah. fucked up that when i was a kid uh we used to celebrate our birthdays in rome while we were in rome we used to celebrate our birthdays at mcdonald's amazing <laughs> that's like recently there was a thing where that where someone posted on tiktok that that mcdonald's has cakes and i'm like yeah i knew that shit <laughs> i've had a mcdonald's cake uh, so yeah, there, there was that was the dream, you know. I that was the dream. Like all they, all the children wanted their birthday prize at McDonald's. Yeah, I can't believe you had that. Yeah, well, over here that. it's over here. People, <laughs> Americans hearing this are horrified. <laughs> but it was the one. Uh, it was the one in Piazza Spagna, and then there was also the Dairy Queen. Kind of became a place, and it wasn't even about like they had burgers and stuff. Anyway, they were like this was back when like like when I was a kid, there was like. I remember the first McDonald's. I, it was probably the one in, in Piazza Spagna in the Spanish near the Spanish Steps, and um, mm-hmm. and then um, then I remember going like 
you know, in college when I was 22 and then coming out in Florence at a, at a train station and there being a sign saying McDonald's with the arrows pointing in both directions and then just one distance, right? So like they put a sign equidistant to them to McDonald's so that you knew like either way you're going, you're going to be fine. And then that's when I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anything that I you want to... Sorry, go ahead. No, I had my very first job. At, well, my first proper job was at McDonald's. Really? Uh, in Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, this, this McDonald's, is, it was it sold hot dogs, but I don't know if it counts as a McDonald's, but it was like, no. it was McDonald's. Uh, and popcorn inside of a hockey, ice hockey arena in Gothenburg. Hockey uh, arena? I, I, mm, it was, I mean, I, but I loved working there. It was, because uh, you got to see the ice hockey games as well. Oh, nice. Are you a hockey so fan? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But that's, uh, that's one of the biggest sports in Sweden, you know, yeah. alongside football or soccer. Uh, soccer. It's, uh, it's the biggest, it's the biggest sport. So yeah, I, I used to love watching the ice hockey games and we got to see the concerts. Uh, cause you know, apart from hockey games, I did concerts as well. So yeah, I mean, and, uh, but I think it really, um, it really taught me a lot about, uh, about customer service. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is a completely interesting topic conversation but i mean i really i'm really uh grateful to mcdonald's for uh for yeah. um giving me the opportunity you know i think this is you may be the only person to thank mcdonald's <laughs> on my podcast <laughs> i think that uh i think that that shows you the cultural differences i think my americans would be like too bougie for that shit they're like uh yeah. they kind of look down mm -hmm. on it i'm not i don't give a fuck i think you're right because i also remember mcdonald's that way because when it first came, it was a huge deal, you know, Maccas. I didn't mean we didn't call it that, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, I think that like that was when people were more fond of America. <laughs> yeah. And the whole world Definitely. was excited to have a McDonald's. Definitely. Um, and I mean, and I speak to my dad and he just sort of like, he, cause you know, his um, cousin moved to America and he was so cool, you know, he had these big cars and America was all like, you know, amazing, the line of opportunity and, um, and yeah, so I think, I think that definitely exists in the subconscious of, uh, of like, yeah, my, my dad's generation and probably, you know, maybe, maybe mine a little bit as well. Like, yeah, it was cool to have like the Coca-Cola duvets and yeah. Uh, the branding, like, cause it, it just yeah. made it. it it sort of made us feel modern, I think, a little bit. Like, like we were up to date with with where where the shit was happening. You know, like I remember I went and I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie uh, on a holiday when I was uh, it, I was living over there, but I came, I went to Miami, saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and went back and told everyone about it. And they were like, "Oh, it's so cool!" And then I like I remember vividly one time saying like, "Oh yeah, my family lives in Miami," and keep going. Miami, Miami Beach, <laughs> just being like blown away. So yeah, I, 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 it definitely like the American kids had a cool factor that, uh, that, that like resonated, you know, I was like, I was not like, cause when I was in Italy, I was an American kid. So that was cool. And then when I was in the U S I grew up like I, I was in Italy. So it was at least exotic. Maybe it wasn't cool because I think Miami people weren't that into that shit. <laughs> but yeah. 
Anyway, it's been a lovely time talking to you. Uh, I'm glad that we finally got years later. It's literally years later. <laughs> 2019. Oh my God. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing in terms of podcasting back then. So <laughs> you're one of the last people that can uh, testify to that because that was a disaster. <laughs> we <laughs> But uh, I really appreciate you uh, still considering me a professional and, <laughs> and, and agreeing to do it after that debacle all these years later. Uh, do you have no, anything that you good. do you have any anything that you would want to promote or anything that you people should know? Your Instagram is your name. Uh, uh, you can say it. Yeah, I mean, let's say it in English. Aline Carlson. Aline and I think Carlson. it's two underscores. Mm-hmm. Two underscores, okay, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then your website is just your name. Yeah, just my name with a dash in between my uh, first name and my um, my surname. Yeah, and any baby parties that everybody should know that you're attending <laughs> in the next couple of days, or <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's COVID. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Do that. You guys are on lockdown, huh? That's insane. Yeah. When you guys lock down, do you like lock down the whole country or do you just lock down like Texas, Arizona, don't stay closed, California stays closed, but then like, now is it like that or no? No, the whole country is, um, is, uh, is closed down now. Like they have that tier system before Christmas, like where different zone, different parts of the country had different different rules, but now they've just got the whole country. So yeah. It's like, yeah, locked down. But uh, yeah, so we're staying in, we can go out for walks with one other person from um, from another household. But it's like mm. winter here now, like it's, yeah. it's, it's really cold and rainy, so it's not, you know. So, conducive yeah. to that all right and then we are yeah. um we are at what's my thesis on instagram and um uh you can subscribe like and, and subscribe on any podcasting platforms and you can check us out on youtube please subscribe there even if you don't watch us there <laughs> uh and then yeah thank you so much for being on the show uh i definitely look forward to keep, keeping in touch maybe having you back on at some point at some point i'm going to start having recurring guests but you know i'm just trying to get through the year of making an episode every week <laughs> so wow. we'll work on that That's first so and then yeah and then eventually you know like maybe two years from now i'll have it down where i can have <laughs> two episodes a week and uh, no, I'm actually thinking uh, about getting a, an intern. So more details on that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you so much for uh, your time and uh, for sharing us uh, your stuff.